Welcome to episode 43 of Cue the Duck Boats. I got to get this thing that's blocking us out of the way. I got a million reverse retro jerseys in front of me. Oh, Lord, we're here. Episode 43, titled Everybody's Upset. We'll get into that for many reasons. Um, the last week has kind of been a dark cloud around the NHL, and uh, we're going to touch on it today, that's for sure, in a lot of different ways. Um, but Kevin, on a positive note, give us a famous number 43, or just maybe not the most famous. Just give us a number 43. A former Bruins legend, Danton Heinen. Heino! <laughs> How's he doing this year? Is he still lighting it up over in the Berg? Eh, probably not. Not as, not as good as last, as last year. year. But uh, that voice you just heard, Mr. Connor Green, how you doing today in Iowa, Illinois, Texas, wherever you live? Um, I'm alive. I'm well. I'm back for episode 43. Ready to get back to uh, the greatness that is our podcasting. Unfortunately, we have kind of a stinker of a topic in the first half today. Yeah, I, I think we kind of just get right into it. Um, obviously, it's like it is kind of a black cloud that's surrounding our team right now. So let's get into that dirty water. So right off the bat, I mean, it's a super controversial topic, obviously. Um, every single person has chimed in and given their opinions on it so at this point we feel like we have to as much as we'd rather honestly kind of keep our podcast almost light like we like to have fun and things like that but it's a topic that has to be discussed um the Bruins signed Mitchell Miller who was the a third round draft pick of the Arizona Coyotes who they renounced their rights to due to and they're not allegations they were proven that he had bullied a special needs African-American child Um, from second grade to then the last reported case was when he was in eighth grade as a 14 year old. Um, The details on him, the details on it's terrible. Right. And I'm pretty sure he admitted to all of it. So there's no like question, things like that. Um, The kid seems to have had an extremely troubled past and by no means do we condone any of his actions in any way, shape or form. Obviously they're all terrible. Um, And I think all three of us unanimously wish the Bruins did not sign it, but they did. So the Bruins went out and they signed Mitchell Miller. Why? I really don't know. We we talked about this at length within our group chat. We really don't know. If the Bruins have any area of their prospect pool that has depth, it's defense. It's the defense. Yep. It, it, (laughs) it, It really makes no sense. The only thing this does on the surface right now in Boston is create unneeded controversy, unneeded distractions. And for that, for the a millionth time, I say, what the fuck are you doing, Don Sweeney? At the same time, I will not condone someone for life over something they did as a child. Condemn someone for life. Exactly. That's what I meant. Sorry. Condemn someone for life over something they did as a child. Um, I do believe in second chances in this world. And I do believe in rehabilitation. If the Bruins feel he has been rehabilitated and will continue to rehabilitate under their watchful eye, then I will accept the reality that he is going to be a part of the organization. I'm not happy about it, but at the same time, I just, there's this overarching thing that I feel in life. And that's that people can change and they can change for the better through education 
And I hope that that is the path that Mitchell Miller takes. And if not, if there's the smallest sign of any disrespect, any, anything, well, he's a member of this organization, member of this organization. I think that's it. Like it should be a zero strike policy, half a strike and you're out. And again, I, I wish they didn't sign him, but they did. So I think we need to look at this from an a thousand foot view and say, okay, let's see where this goes now, because none of us are in positions of power to be making these calls. I don't know if you guys have anything else on that or you want to move to more positive topics. Um, I mean, I feel like for context purposes, like everybody should go and kind of do some research of their own on the topic because yeah. we kind of skipped over a bunch of stuff and some sure. details and everybody can make their own choice. Um, but I also think it's, it's interesting that a lot of the comments you're seeing from some like NHL insiders and some people within the Bruins organization is they were not the only team. And no. there were other teams involved who were getting ready to sign him. The Bruins were the ones who decided screw it. We're going to be the ones to do it. Um, and I mean, if, if you take him being kind of a shitty human being aside, his hockey statistics are good. So, I mean, it makes sense in that regard as to why a team would do it. But in, in our shoes, there really has been no legitimate proof or things that Miller has done to quote unquote rehabilitate exactly his actions. That's what makes it harder, right? It's like, you look at it and you're like, guys, what the fuck? Like all you're looking for, like for me, like he's accepted that he's done it. Okay. You check that box. You've admitted that you did it. You took your punishment. You were convicted for it in Canada. Now I'm looking for your penance. Your change. And, and we haven't seen that. You're yeah, right. Like, that's my, my original reaction was kind of like, all right, he was a kid, like, come on. And then you look and you read into it and you're right. It's like, dude, like do anything, man, like do anything to try to like show that you've changed. And by what I can find and what I saw following the situation, he hasn't. And it's like, it's almost a blind trust in your organization to be like, let's see what he can do. And they keep mentioning, you know, there's a lot of on and off ice programs and ways that he can what you know, are work with the team um, on this kind of topic. Like, okay, so with all this lip service coming from the Bruins and Miller, like what was the point of really signing him? Was it in hopes that you're going to like revitalize this prospect and it'll be like a great story? Well, that completely backfired because people in droves are sending emails and writing nasty social media posts. About How about the players that? themselves? It, he would not be accepted in that yeah. locker room right now. Right. That's right? the thing. You saw Bergeron, you saw Felino, they all spoke out about it. And then my big thing is Gary Bettman saying how he's not, he's not eligible to play in the NHL. So if he's never cleared to play in the NHL, uh, that's, like, yeah, that's, I don't, that's he did true. say that. He said it, but it's been proven. Like the NHLPA said it's not true. But I know exactly, Kevin. It's a good point. Like, but it's like, yeah, no, like coming out with that, it's like, yeah. why didn't the Bruins check that box? Like, I think that was some posturing on, yeah, the, I do too. on the stance of the league. I do too. But yeah. at the same time, it's like these guys, they, you know, I, I think the quotes that were shared out from all the players almost had a little different tone than if you actually watched all their interviews. At the same time, none of them are happy about this. 
it just doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense to me, and I'm not happy about it. And it's you're going to have to prove that you're a changed human and that you're ready to make an impact in the, you know, the special needs community. Because just being a changed human isn't enough. When you're, when you're on this scale and you have this platform, the only way to show you've changed is to make change. And I think we'd leave it at that. I, obviously hard topic for all of us, um, but yeah, it's how we feel. And but positive, anyways. Yeah. Some positive news. The Bruins had the good times rolling. The Bruins have been the best team in the NHL. They had a tough loss last night against the Maple Leafs. I had it as a scheduled loss. Going into Toronto on a Saturday night, a lot of guys going home to see families, probably going out for a nice dinner the night before. I knew the Bruins weren't going to come out firing, and I thought it would be a close game, which it was, and we lost. Bruins pushed back at the end. How did you guys feel last night? Um, it, it, it almost didn't feel like a Bruins game night. No. To be honest with you, like, the whole like Miller signing and doing it in Toronto, the obnoxious amount of media involved, like completely took all of the eyes away from the actual game itself. And as soon as this signing happened, I kind of expected that this was going to be a penciled in loss just because the distractions are going to be absolutely wild. You have Patrice Bergeron doing, you know, an interview with Elliot Friedman for Sportsnet about it all these media people are in the player's face all weekend. So for me, it's kind of like a one-off, like, eh, whatever. It's one game. But of course, it's Toronto Maple Leafs. It's always the team that you want to see the Bruins get up for and beat. But yeah, if you take last year into consideration, they lost every game against the Maple Leafs. So Yep. The Maple Leafs play this weird style of hockey against the Bruins where they just they attack, Give the puck attack, to Austin attack, Matthews. Attack. And yeah, it's just... <laughs> and the Bruins, again, like in a playoff series, they're going to out-physical them and they're going to get in deep, and I think they win. I said that to my dad last night. Where he was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, I know, but the Bruins can get in behind that defense when playing the right way and beat them. Marshawn didn't look himself last night, um, other than that great penalty shot. He looked a little off. Pasta didn't look as engaged. I, it's hard. I'm not going to overreact. I'm just not. Yeah. And, I mean, you're also missing Derek Forbert, Charlie McAvoy, Craig Smith. It was Krejci's first game back from an injury. Yeah. So. Segway City. Segway City. Yeah. Charlie McAvoy. His return is coming soon. That is major news. I Kevin, would probably yeah. expect it to be this week, but Kevin's probably the the expert on the the IR train. Kev, yeah. what do you think? You're thinking Thursday, right? Yeah, no, I originally thought it was going to be last night in Toronto. It was like he went with the team for the road trip. You know, they're not trying to rush him back like you did Marshawn, but just get him back. You know, you have a big game. You know you're dealing with injuries. But then again, like we talked about yesterday, he Montgomery said he didn't check all the boxes. He's close, but he's not there. So giving those extra few days to figure it out, get back into the shape of everything. So I do expect it this week. Um, hopefully Thursday when Jake and I are in the building against Calgary. That would be a beautiful return. Oh, so, I'd be quite happy. I might actually yeah. wear the McAvoy jersey to try to bring it to try to bring it into fruition. So I'd be happy with that. Um, but we need him back. But, yeah, we do. A game like last night shows you need him back. When Mike Riley is on the ice, when Mike Riley's on the ice with a minute forty-seven left in the game, yeah. there's issues. There's issues. 
when Hampus Lindholm is like bleeding from the ear, so they pull him and you have to send out Mike Riley to try to get a goal, there's issues. And like <laughs> the Bruins team has been good so far this year, right? Like they're yeah. 10 and 2, so like let's not freak out. However, this Bruins team is going to be ridiculously difficult to beat. Yes. If you bring back McAvoy and you put him on a separate pair yes. than Hampus Lindholm. I think your pairs, when completely healthy, should be McAvoy Grizzly because we know what they do. Lindholm and maybe Cliffy. Cliffy looks good with Lindholm, dude. But you could even go Lindholm Forbert and then run like Carlo. I, I'm really down on Carlo. I, I just had trouble with Carlo's game. He's getting offensive chances. They never go in. He's fumbled the puck way too much. He sonks himself regularly. Like regularly, he just whiffs on passes, and I yell sonk at the TV to try to make me feel like Carlo did it on purpose. His stride <laughs> is brutal. I, I just, I'm off on Carlo. I mean, and he could turn it around and play mean and play like a young Brandon Carlo, but I don't know that he has that in him anymore. I really don't. He doesn't. I mean, if you look at the leg injuries – and towards the beginning of his career, and now more recently, he keeps getting concussed. I mean, are we talking like two to three years from now that he's you know going to be retiring early because of injuries? It's looking more likely, to be honest with you. And I think that a lot of these injuries have caused him to become more hesitant. Like, for me, what's frustrating is like I look back at the New York Ranger game, right? And you see Ryan Lindgren going into the corners and just demolishing anybody who is there. It absolutely drives me nuts when you see Carlo go into the corner and slow up and put his hand out to touch the guy into the boards. Like, I don't want to hurt you, but I'm here. Yeah, we need Forbes back. Forbes and Cliffy. You know, that's the thing. You know, I kind of want Forbes and Cliffy together because they're a murder squad. (laughs) They really are. So it's like if you run Carlo Lindholm – well, obviously, McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo, Lindholm, Forbert, Clifton, you have pretty good D pair. And Zaboral is your guy who's rotating in and out through those positions. Strawman, don't know why you're here, but okay. You need a, a seventh yeah, defenseman. Guy, I know. But the seventh defenseman has had to play every game because you can't stay healthy on the back end. I I'd mean, rather if you be think about it. Now. So far this season, you've had Grizzly, Carlo, McAvoy, and Forbert. Four injuries on the back end for any undisclosed period of time. Yeah, it's tough, yeah. but um, I love what we're seeing from Lindholm, though. We're finally seeing a full year Lindholm in Boston. He's stepping up to the plate. That was the biggest question with McAvoy out. Yep. Can Lindholm take that next step? And he's been electric. He has been. He's horse. putting his name into the Norris conversation. Which is you love to see possibly two guys in the Bruins that are Norris candidates. I know McAvoy's a lot of ground to make up, but in this we talked about the style that Monty has them going. This defense is yeah, this defense is made for McAvoy. The scheme, so he's a war horse. He'll score ten goals in sixty-five games for sure. That's the thing. You have McAvoy over ten goals. You have Lamb at home over ten goals. Like guys, be forty, fifty-point guys. That's that's huge. It really is huge having two of those. Yeah, like. You finally have that decor, like, right there, rebuilt, like. Question for you, too. Do you think that decor playing so offensively adds into what we've seen as the biggest resurgence in the Bruins in the last few years, which we haven't had for the last few years, right? Depth scoring. 
Yeah, I definitely feel because you're opening a whole new part for your team. Like, it's not just defense, defense, defense. It's no, let these guys play. Let them play to their strengths. Hey, it's okay to make a mistake because this team can score and you can get covered for it. You give up a bad goal. It's like, nope, guess what? Go down there and score that goal without getting your leash yanked right back into the doghouse. Like, Yeah, so we won't even talk about the top six, who more or less is all point per game or .75 per game. Charlie Coyle, seven points, 12 games. Nick Foligno, seven points, 12 games. Pavel Zaka, seven points, 12 games. A.J. Greer, six points, 10 games. That's ridiculous for the bottom half of your lineup. Trent Frederick, four points, 11 games. Still, he's starting to round into form. I think he plays this way. He'll be around half a point a game, which is great for depth scoring. You have Grizzly, who's at half a point a game. Marshy, over a point per game. I'm just looking lower in the list. Obviously, he's really part of that top five. But Cliffy, five assists already. It's it's something. It's really something to look There's at. There's a lot more chemistry in the bottom six this year for the Bruins. And Driven and honestly, by who? Who's driving that chemistry? Who do you see that's bringing all those guys together? Foligno. Nick Foligno. It's time. We have to do it. The three I'm of us s- want to write a formal apology to Nick Foligno. We're sorry, Nick. We're, We're sorry. sorry. Candy corn still sucks, Nick. We want you <laughs> in our lineup for the whole year. You heard it. You look great. You look rejuvenated. Like, You're somehow yeah. one of the fastest players on the ice. I don't know what you did in the offseason. Because last year you looked slower than Kevin's 40 time. And now you're yeah. lightning fast. So I don't, I like, I just don't get it. I don't four, understand three. what you did, but four, <laughs> you're playing really good hockey, man. And you're hugging Ollie when, when Sway's out. And God, we're, we're happy to have you, dude. This is the Nick Felino we all hoped we had last year. Absolutely. And that's the Nick Felino that the Maple Leafs had hoped they got. Yeah. This Nick Felino is going to score like prospect. 12 goals, 12 goals, 15 assists, be like a 30 point guy. And I'm going to love it. He, maybe he has more than that. I could be underestimating him a lot. Yeah. Now, one thing I want to touch on real quick um, before we kind of move on along is the style of play for defensemen with the Bruins. I know you guys have heard me say this analogy with goaltenders where, you know, the book kind of gets out on them at some point and then they're less effective than they used to be. They kind of come back to earth. I feel like the Bruins overall game is in that area. Yeah, Like they're playing a whole new game that nobody's ever experienced from them before. And once there's a lot of tape and teams have played them once or twice, they're going to adjust to the style of defense that they need to play against the Bruins. And then you're going to slowly see them kind of come back to earth a little bit. I think that I don't know how easy they'll stop the Bruins offense, but I think they will find easier ways to score on us in this style until McAvoy comes back and we rebuild the defensive structure around him, which will happen. But there's going to be a little weird flux there, I agree, where the Bruins are going to lose a couple games, and that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Pasta will keep scoring at this clip. I do think Marshawn will, DeBrusque will, Hall will, because they're just too damn talented. The bottom six is going to have some issues, though, when this aggressive in-your-face hockey, some teams start to figure it out. But the bottom teams won't be able to handle them. It'll only be the top teams that start to really – figure out a way to kind of fight against it. So we'll see how it all goes. I mean, I, I'm still super positive on the Bruins. This is the best Bruins team we've had since 2015, in my opinion. Fair. I, I, really, I really feel that way. I think this team beats the 2019 team. The 2019 team shouldn't have made the Stanley Cup. They did, and they almost won it. But 
they, they had they, the easiest they were, path to the they Stanley were lobbed ever. softballs all the way in, and we know that like, it's just reality. We played the Columbus Blue Jackets in the playoffs, okay? Like, <laughs> like if like, that same scenario happens, where like every round is an upset for the Bruins before yeah. they get yeah, to the Stanley the Cup, roll. they will absolutely probably sweep some series on the way there. Yeah, the the only teams in the East who the Bruins I generally worry about is. <laughs> Tampa and Toronto. Other than that, I think the Bruins win every series. I, I really do. I think they even beat the Flames now. We're fast enough. We finally go fast enough. We And it's not even like our players go faster. We just play The faster. Flames? I, you mean know, the Hurricanes? Hurricanes. My brain's... The Carolina crazy. Hurricanes, the Carolina Hurricane. Panthers, the Carolina yeah, Flames? My we brain just call them just, whatever. My brain is just mush. But, um... Yeah, the Bruins are good. Bruins are good. I think I'm going to make a t-shirt that says the Bruins are good. I, I was really I was really going to make that t-shirt a week ago, but now I think we give it like three weeks before we release that t-shirt. I don't know how many people are with the Bruins are good tees right now. But uh, And I mean, this year, honestly, is like the year for the Bruins to mash the gas pedal in the regular season because yeah. that number eight and number seven team in the wild card is going to be a much easier matchup for somebody. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I think that's kind of it with the Bruins. Um, obviously, a lot of positive stuff around the team, a new, fresh, negative thing around the team. And um, we're just going to have to wait and see how it all works out. But let's get into uh, some other stuff. Let's get into that salty, salty, salty East. It's funny how quickly, right? We don't have a lot of topics in Salt Beast today. It's really going to focus on, I think, all of our second favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and it's your topic here. Will the Leafs trade out uh, one of the core members? Or are they going to trade someone out of their core four? Do they need a new coach? And everything's been swirling around at that. Sheldon keeps on the chopping block, and they need this, they need that. Then they beat the Bruins last night. If you go on Twitter, the Leafs Stanley Cup parade's back on. It's just so funny. Like Toronto media is a joke and um, these fans are, I, I respect these fans. They're, they are good hockey fans, but it's like this team, just give them some time. Okay. The Maple Leafs are super talented. They need defensemen. That's for damn sure. But like, let's not overreact this early in the season. Let's just not. You, you guys still have that guy from America, Austin Matthews. And he's Who's soft as baby shit. According uh, to my <laughs> Yeah. Dude, I actually thought that was hilarious. Like he just he was like geeking at him and then he pushed him. Like he wasn't he just wasn't gonna fight Konechny. Number one, because Matthews would rock him. I think that's also a fact. I don't think Matthews is like that soft. Do you? You think he's super like I it, but he doesn't need to fight Travis Konechny. He hasn't earned that. Like he like I'm sorry, like Pasta can get a fight with Matthews. Konechny ain't getting that. You're not at the same level. You don't think so? No. Konechny's not at that level. I don't care that he has points this year. He's not at that level. He's not at the respect level for Matthews where he's getting to fight him. To me, on the sheet of ice, any of the other opposing six players on that sheet of ice with you earned a no, fight. Absolutely if, not. If they put you in a situation where you should be dropping the gloves... I think you should, regardless so if, of who if you they are. hurt one of your other teammates, something like that. Yeah, if it's just like a scrum like that, like I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not. If I'm Matthews, I'm not dropping the glove with Konechny. Maybe Hayes, 
Maybe Kevin Hayes. His name's almost big enough for you to get a fight. To get in a fight. But you look like a pansy. Yeah, no, he did. And you can't tell me that. Oh well, Austin Austin Matthews is too talented to fight. Sidney Crosby fights. Ovechkin has fought before. Bergeron has fought before. Krejci has fought before. Malkin beats the wheels off people. (laughs) Maybe. Malkin will crush somebody. Like little Pablo up there in Toronto. You know, is no. You know. I know tiny person by any means necessary but he's just he's not like that's i do he is a big boy i think he could probably handle his own i would think and in my opinion why do you want to keep sitting there and slashing and cross-checking each other when you know you're probably going to get fined you know at some point for pushing it too far when you could just drop the gloves and you get five minutes in the box and you chill the rest of the game fist of cuffs i don't know yeah matthews and you don't even have to fight fight right like if you wanted to make a good impression because you're a star player, you know, noodle those gloves off into the air, get in real tight, and just bear hug the shit out of him. And make it so he can barely throw any punches at you. Give it a good look. The refs will come in. They'll save your day. And then nobody will have any complaints against you. Kev, how do you feel about it? Uh, he's a little bitch. All right. All right. I'll take it out here. I'll take an L here. That's fine. Uh, do you guys think that all the chaos in Toronto right now and everything going on with all the negativity from the outside, the inside, Mitch Marner being the world's biggest bitch, um, like, do you think do you think this affects Matthew's long term outlook and extension possibilities in Toronto? Oh, I do. He's out of there. Once his contract's up, he's out. You really think so? I think so. You think he pulls a Johnny T and he leaves unless they yeah. go on a run this year? No, kinda. He's gone. I think that if Connor Bedard goes to Arizona, the chances go up substantially that Matthews would go there. They would have two franchise players. Maybe pretty good. And Logan Cooley. (laughs) And Logan Cooley. I mean, you gotta Bedard, Matthews, Cooley. Holy shit. You gotta think about Toronto right now, right? Like the the GM is on the hot seat. Who Matthews has a a really good relationship with. It just hasn't worked out. And for everybody who is going to start screaming at their podcast uh, provider here, a flat cap is no excuse. Every other GM in the league is dealing with that flat cap. And Toronto is having one of the most difficult times dealing with it. So I'm sorry that's not an excuse. Figure it out. Yeah, well, I mean, no teams are giving Toronto help usually, though. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, no one gets Boston help either. It's just it's like yeah, like you gotta you gotta figure it out. You gotta spend some assets to do it, and then you step away from the GM and you look at the coach. Well, obviously, the coach is always the first one to get fired. I do think that Keith is a pretty good NHL coach, and he will probably not be unemployed long. But I'm not convinced that Sheldon Keith makes it out of this season. With the Toronto Maple Leafs at this rate. Yeah, I don't know. They'll have to like. Unless they have a huge resurgence. So, like, if you start looking at all these scenarios where, you know, you might have a new GM, you might have a new coach, you know, one of the star players on the team might get traded to try and get some help defensively or in net, since now both of the goaltenders they acquired this offseason are hurt, which in our season preview, we said that the Maple Leafs are either going to be complete trash or they're going to be Stanley Cup contenders, and it's all going to determine 
on whether their goalies can stay healthy. And son of a bitch, would you guess it? They're Here we six, are. four, and two. They've literally lost half the games they've played. And Buffalo's better than them. Buffalo's seven and five. Red Wings are six and three. The Lightning are starting to surge now. They're seven and four. The Bruins are ten and two. The Panthers are on the outside looking in. And you know who's a dumpster fire right now? The Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, so weird. We Seven straight that. losses, man. Yeah, that wasn't on the That's sheet. Tough. I'm thinking. We have a couple things to get into still from the Metro. The Penguins have fallen apart. They were beating the wheels off the Bruins. And the Bruins just said, eh, 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 We back, baby. And they came back, back and they won. I, it was crazy. I mean, it really was. I don't. And and that game to... gave me hope last night against the Maple Leafs. I know it did. I thought like there was a chance. There's like a little Hampus Lindholm wheel out goes to down ice, boom, snipe. I know. And the Bru- I mean, goal. even like last night, like the Bruins still like they pushed at the end. They weren't out. But another team that we got to give some, we got to give a little support to the Devils, dude. They're nine and three. Who they take down last night? The uh, the Carolina Flames. I met Calgary. That was that was fun. I was yeah yeah. They beat Edmonton. Then they beat Calgary. You know, up in Alberta. How is he? Um, I'm gonna take a look through their stats. See, like, who is Jack Hughes? I don't think he's doing anything crazy either. Like, no. I think it's actually like depth storing. I think Jack's by point per game. Jesper Bratt's having a good year. Yeah, and I heard he denied two eight year contracts already that have been get sent his way, betting yeah. on himself. Which damn damn well looks like he should, you know. I don't. Let's what I think is funny is the Washington Capitals got rid of Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov, and they both went to two new teams, and they're both ripping it up. And the Caps just lost to the Arizona State Coyotes. Yes. Yeah, Brat has seventeen points. He sure has twelve and eleven. Hughes is twelve and twelve. Hughes is point per game too. Miles Wood's playing good. It's just this team's pretty deep. Like, they're pretty good. And, we, and the goaltending's holding up. That was their biggest question mark. Hall has well, Mackenzie Blackhood is hurt again. Again. Yeah. Is Palat hurt too? Yes, he is. Yeah. He's going to be out long term. Okay. So, they, I mean, but still, I, the Devils are winning games. They have like, this is talent. a completely different uh, topic aside, and maybe I'll do some research and pull up some of the big names, but there is a ton of high-end NHL talent hurt Oh yeah, in the league right now. Game's getting so fast. It's too fast too soon in the season. Guys getting hurt. I really yep. believe that. The speed of the game – is going to make it so guys are going to have to prioritize preseason and their offseason a little differently going forward. As the game keeps getting faster, your muscles are going to have to be ready right away. Just wait until they have some injuries. preseason games in Australia and you know you got to add the travel into it. I know you've heard that from 32 thoughts cuz they I guess they're I guess there's a pretty big NHL fan base in Australia down under. Mm-hmm. So, fun fact, um, the SBHL team that's local to me one of the players on there actually came from the Australian Hockey League, wow. which I didn't even realize like there was a legitimate Australian Hockey League until that. I would but, love uh, to interview him. I would love to talk about that and get to know what that's like. Yeah. Does he have an I mean, accent? Yeah, he's from New Zealand originally. So oh, he has yeah. this would be awesome. Dude, yeah, I would get him love. Get yeah. him on. I would love to just talk to him about like what how he got into hockey and stuff like that. Wow, that'd be awesome. I'll see what I can do. Definitely. I think that kind of wraps up things in the East, right? It's still like nothing's too positive. The Devils are a positive in the East. That's about it. 
look through these teams. I mean, it's just like teams we thought were going to do good aren't really doing good. I mean, that's kind of. Hey, Connor's Islanders are seven five and zero. I just think people everywhere are upset. Like, don't like fan bases are not too happy. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the reason why the episode is titled the way it is. Everybody's upset. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment of the show, the Wild Wild East. You know, the the first topic is another thing we got to kind of put our hands up and say we might have been a little bit of assholes about this. Bruce Cassidy, he has the Golden Knights 11 and 2. He's doing pretty good over there. I don't think his message must be getting across. So I think another little hand up when I was like, wait till you see what it's like playing for Bruce. Guess what? Playing for Bruce was pretty good in Boston too. And Bergeron went out of his way to compliment Bruce again for like the eighth time in the last three months. Obviously not all the players have problems with Bruce. And as much as he is kind of a hard coach, I think, and a hard-nosed coach in ways, that team in Vegas needed to get their shit together and build a culture. And I do think he's a good guy to do that. Absolutely. And – like, obviously, Cassidy is a great defensive system coach, which obviously is what the Vegas Golden Knights needed the most uh-huh. recently, um, especially with their goaltending woes. But the thing for me in Vegas is Bruce Cassidy finally got one of the talented centers that eluded him in Boston mm-hmm. in Jack Eichel. He got Jack, and he wanted Jack for a long time. And he is ripping it up in Vegas right now. He's doing very, very well. Yeah, 14 points, 13 games, over a point per game, five goals, nine assists, but he's plus 10. It's big. They have a lot of talent in yeah. Vegas. Like, you know, the Riley, Marcheseau, and Carlson line. Um, you've got um, Jack Eichel with Mark Stone. Uh, Chandler Stevenson's there. Marcheseau. Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez. Um, Alex Petrangelo, Nick Roy, William Carrier. Want to know who? Mark my words. Phil Kessel, five points, one goal, dash two in 13 games. Kessel's Ironman streak gets ended by Bruce Cassidy this year. I'm telling you it does. If he doesn't pick it up, Phil is not Bruce's style of player. See, I will say no. I don't think that'll happen. Because you think he respects veterans? Nope. I think that when... People are in this scenario. Like if you look at what happened to Keith Yandel, yep. before they sign a contract with a new team, I know there's some guarantees in place. And I bet you that Vegas went to him and said, you will play in every game. Yep. You will make sure of it. Don't worry. About it. There is. I do believe that those things do exist. I, I wonder if he's in that situation, but we'll find and out. I mean, that's like a, a completely different debate, you know, in itself. Like, are these Iron Man streaks like truly legit or are coaches choosing not to sit them when they typically would strictly because of the streak and carrying it on? You know I think I mean? they're legit in regard to just staying healthy. It's freaking crazy to stay healthy that long in this league. Like, so it's like, insane. Let me ask you this question. Now the Bruins have a player who recently has been scratched, but has been considered, you know, a middle six player on the team since he's arrived in Craig Smith. He's been his whole healthy, healthy scratched twice recently. If 
that were Phil Kessel, do you think that they still would have benched Craig Smith in the midst of an Ironman streak like that? No, I uh, Monty's no. too much of a player's coach. No. Agreed, no. So I, I know. I know. Did we all oh, good to, did we underestimate the Vegas Golden Knights? A hundred percent we did. We all did. We were like, they're gonna suck. They don't they're not good. Bruce is gonna mess. No, we're wrong. They're good. They're gonna be good. They're good in their, their playoff team. I had them in my playoff picture, but I never expected them to be this oh. dominant. That's for sure. And especially with Robin Leonard being out until, you know, potentially playoffs. That's a kind of a big whack. You know what teams really surprised me out, Wes? A team that I still think is a joke, and I think the organization's a dumpster fire, but I'm a big fan of their GM personally. Um the Coyotes. The Coyotes have four wins, six losses. They beat some good teams, including last night. Dude, they're the dealing with St. The, Louis. They're dealing with the adversity, and it's bringing them together. I mean, you kind of look a little north there in the uh, the Central Division. You've got another one in the Chicago Blackhawks who are in the same boat. Yep. They are and 500 hockey. They are galvanizing around Luke Richardson and some of these players on that team, and they're making it work. I mean, I some of, all these teams that we're expecting to be garbage, like let's be honest, people, these are NHL caliber players on their roster. Yeah, they don't suck as bad as we thought they were going to. And that's, yeah, like you're not we were, playing we were, an NHL team. Yeah, we were – I think we were kind of – we were wrong in a lot of the ways when we were doing our early season stuff, kind of like, yeah, these guys have no shot. And like they <laughs> – they definitely like they – they're doing better. They are NHL teams. The Coyotes are kind of like NHL light, but they are an NHL team. I mean, I, you've I got, think, you know, NHL superstar, all-star. Nick Ritchie. First yeah. team, you know, all-American <laughs> Nick Ritchie, baby. Yeah, Nick Ritchie. Baby, baby Gap, yeah. as Andrew uh, likes to call him. And there he goes, you know. I mean, it's interesting. It really is. Uh, they, they have a long way to go, right? They have a long way to go before they're a competitive NHL team, but they're they're doing the right things. So hard to argue it. One team that's been super surprising too out west is the Seattle Kraken. There's seven wins, four losses, two overtime losses. They're very well in the playoff picture. They could make the playoffs. I don't know that they do, but they could. The biggest thing, though, is they're not being led by Canadian rookie Shane Wright. He's getting scratched left, right, and sideways. How many points does Wright have this year? Seven games, one assist. That's uh, tough. Yeah, he is plus like, four. Yeah. Is he like 12 minutes of ice time, too, a game? It's just he was getting twelve minutes of ice time. Last time I had checked, it was like seven, eight. Uh, last game I looked at, he had like that could have changed recently after the stretches. Yeah, I'm stretches. Not sure. I'm, I don't know, but I know I that the topic was that his ice time was like in the single digits, and then they started scratching. Yeah, no, Kevin, you must just look at the last. Yeah, no. So November fifth, yesterday, he got eight minutes. But yeah, the third when you looked, Kev, he got thirteen forty-five. Before that, it was like five eight six. Ooh. But yeah, he did get thirteen one night. I mean, he he's been a plus player in his last three games. Here's the deal with Shane Wright: they're not going to send him back to the Kingston Frontiacs, and I, at least I don't think they can't send him down to the AHL due to the junior players rule they have set with the CHL. Well, I they could. Really they can't. they can on a conditioning stint. They can send him to play in the yeah, NHL yeah, for a specific period yeah. of time. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're gonna do that either. What I do think they're gonna do is keep him all year, play him sparingly, 
send him to World Juniors, see if he can catch some fire at World Juniors, and then give him a chance to come back and play. I think there's a very good chance we see that happen. And I think that is absolutely dumb. Yeah, no, me too. But I think that's what they're going to do. Because if he gets hurt, it's like, oh my God. You know? But Because if he goes back that. to the front next, he's, he's getting, getting traded, traded right away. Right away, he's getting traded. Yeah. So I forgot where I read this, or maybe I heard it in a podcast or somewhere, but apologies. I can't remember where, it, thoughts where it was. Um, talked about him going back to the front next and probably being traded right away to a team who is in the playoff, like the cup contention because the front next are up to potentially hold the Memorial cup next year. And the package of prospects and picks that they could get for Shane, Wright Would be huge. Would be huge and put them in much better place to have a good team for when they host the cup, which makes sense. Yeah, doesn't make sense to draft somebody in the top five but I don't think and I, put him on your team to rot. I bet you him and his agent just don't have any interest in that. I did, but then again, like I just don't. It just makes no sense. Like, why are you not going to play him? That's where I just have so much trouble with. Yeah, like I mean, shit. Look at the player picked right before him, Logan Cooley, Minnesota. He, he already got sent down. Like, he didn't even make the team, him. did he? I don't think he made the team. No, 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 no. But that's what I'm saying. Like they didn't. Yeah you know, try to pull this no charade or facade, whatever. Facade would be the word. Charade yeah, would go. be a name of a person. Um, it's fine. It's I can't, it can't be only me who makes mistakes talking. Uh, but the only guy who looks like he's being, making an NHL impact out of those top four guys is Slavkovsky. Right? He's the only one who's playing. Minimal. He got hurt last night. Yeah, no, it's minimal. No, I know. I I and I still think this is a really strong draft. I do. I mean, it's just going to take time. Like none of these guys were ready to make NHL impacts right away. And Shane Wright, the poor kid, has barely played hockey. He lost hockey to COVID. Now he's not playing. Now it sucks. Like it really, it sucks. You got to feel bad because he's super talented. And I do think he's a future franchise player. I really do. So you yeah, got to give. You got to let him develop the right way. And this ain't it. I don't know. What speaking of some of these prospects, uh, just. My phone started blowing up from Twitter notifications of Cap Friendly lighting up all of these uh, transactions for these young players getting sent to the minors now that that 10-game cap is hit. Yeah. Oh, who? anyone big gets sent down? Um, the list that we have so far is Colorado sent two people down, Martin, Martin Cott and Mikhail Maltsev. Uh, the New York Islanders sent down Robin Sallow, and Ottawa sent down Jacob Bernard Docker. So Bernard Docker is probably the biggest name there. Yeah, you know, it. I, I just think that going back to Wright, it's just he he needs to find his way. And if you're committed to him being on your team, then play him. You got to play him. And if not, then you got to figure out what you're going to do and figure it out fast. But I really think there's a chance he goes to World Juniors. I really do. Which great, but like, what are you going to expect him to do at World Juniors when he's played four, you know, five games in the last month? <laughs> like the last day of go to the World Junior camp. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't. To really develop, don't. it's, it's, it's to mismanagement. Play. This is mismanagement. It's that simple. He's been mismanaged so far. Yeah, it's, there's no way to put it. It's whatever. It's kind of disappointing, but. I mean, it seems like Shane Wright's just taking the punches, taking the punches, taking the punches. He drops from one to four in the draft, yeah. 
now he can't get any games in. He seems like, like a good kid too. That's what sucks. It's like you want any super talented. So they do have two turning. young guys who are lighted up. Morgan Geeky seven points in ten games, and Benares nine and thirteen is pretty good. Maddie Benares is doing pretty well. Yeah, and so is Geeky though. Morgan Geeky's underrated big boy who can play the game, dude. Yeah, I'm a big Morgan Geeky fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maddie Benares all ride high on in Seattle. The other ones. Let's see, because there's still going to be a lot of turnover yeah. on this roster. Yeah. As they try to maybe make a little push. As If they keep winning, they're going to try to make a push, I would think. So. They'll try. Yeah. Don't know. They're not going to make a long-term push. but I mean, a long-term push, yeah. They're not going to make a push for the Stanley Cup this year. That I know. Yeah. So now that we're kind of slimming out on topics, I threw a question on the sheet. Yeah, that I, I was heard. just reading it. Um, I believe it was actually from 32 Thoughts or it was yeah. from Frank no, Sarvalli, somebody. No. I did a lot of podcast listening this week. Me too. Um, so I got caught up on a lot of things. And one of the topics that was talked about is teams and training players and their cap hit. So, Kevin, I want to get your reaction first because I think you're probably the only one who hasn't heard this conversation yet. In the NHL, there are some people who are proposing – that and I will give an example. Say the Boston Bruins go and make a trade with the Chicago Blackhawks and they trade Nick Felino to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for future considerations, right? Or they give them, you know, Nick Felino and a third round pick. The catch is. You trade 50% of Felino's contract to Chicago. But you keep the player. But you keep the player. So allowing NHL teams to trade cap hits away, just the money, but still retain the player. Be like, hey, we'll give you $1.2 million in Nick Felino's contract for a second round pick. I think absolutely not because it just creates a whole other layer of bad things that can go, that can go on. And teams at the dumpster fire teams – We'll just be like taking on cap and trading. I, I hate it. But actually. you would still have a limit. Like you can only retain, I think yeah. it's two or three contracts. If you so trade a player, the player has to go. I really feel that. Anything to do with the player. It just makes it so that these Ooh. NHL teams can write willy-nilly ass contracts and get out of them. And I just, I think you need to be a good GM. You need to manage your money and your players and your assets correctly. Yeah. So I'm going to, I lean both ways. Like you see the pros, you see the cons, but I uh, I'm going to take It's like that takes like, the whole skill of being a GM out of it and building the team the right way and building contenders. It's just another way out of like that. So there are zero talented NFL general managers. No, I get it. No, no, because they just, can just cut people willy nilly. And if it's not guaranteed, it's done. Yeah, exactly. But NHL Different. contracts are fully guaranteed. So that, like the NHL system obviously is built against the team and yeah. the general manager. I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like the ability to trade cap hits. I don't know. I think I just, it would make it more hoopla and wild and exciting, kind of like you know, the NBA. You but know? the only like it's just it's cool to like a team like the Maple Leafs trades their first round pick for like nine million in cap and then they're out of cap hell. And like we don't want that. You know what I mean? Like I, I just don't it's hard for me to like I just don't I mean you can do it now, but you lose the player. Yeah, you lose the player. That's what I, I want you to lose the asset. I don't know. Like some of these trades don't happen in that scenario. 
like for example the max pacioretty and the brent burns trade yeah you know they probably don't happen if they could you know sell off 50 percent of the contract to another team instead I don't know. I know Elliot and Jeff were really against it, and that makes me feel like I should be against it too because they know more than me. I just feel like it would add some more excitement. Yeah, it adds a little later. Needs some more excitement and some more fanfare and eyeballs on the game. I think that it's a creative way to accomplish that. Or just have the cap keep going up so that people have the money to spend. I mean, that is another way to fix that. So, I personally would rather them do a luxury tax, kind of like baseball. So you can go over the cap. Yep. Yeah, so it would help the Bruins, help the rich teams. Exactly. (laughs) That I wouldn't mind. But the Bruins wouldn't overspend. No, because they're because because they're cheap. Almost. Yeah. Good way to put it. Um, (laughs) Lucky duckies. Do we have anything? Do you have any bets, Cameron? No. I don't really have any hockey bets this week. I think we because it's we're recording on Sundays. So we're not going to give out football picks. Maybe we'll tweet out a couple picks this week. We'll try to. We'll tweet out some picks for Wednesday, Thursday. Kevin and I will be together, so we'll definitely fire that out. Um, other than that, guys, go to Inside the Rink. Check out Kevin's going to be writing a really interesting article coming up this week about some Norris candidates within the Bruins organization, maybe a couple others. Um, super, I'm excited to read that. We're going to be coming out with some new fresh merch soon for the holiday season, so keep your eyes peeled. And also, I want to give a little shout-out to Sophia. She's been crushing it on our social media, and you have to check out these graphics that she's been coming up with. They, they're awesome. So give us a follow at Q the Duck Boats with a Z on Twitter. I'm trying to get Q the Duck Boats regularly. I've, I'm trying to, trying to get us the regular without the Z, but who knows? The man, the man's, man won't answer me. Does that make any sense? You guys get it? I'm <laughs> saying <laughs> I know what you're putting down. Cue the duck box without a Z is owned by some random man who hasn't tweeted since 2009. So I reached out to him on the Facebooks to try to buy that Twitter handle from him, but he hasn't answered. So please buy our merch and help us out and uh, have a good week, guys. That's really all I got for us. Ha, 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 ha.